So welcome. Today we have Dr. Juliet Godzian, who is, there we go, a naturopathic doctor and an intuitive healer who helps uncover and heal deeply held trauma. So welcome. I'm so excited to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yay. Um, so I guess when people hear that, they're probably like, what the heck is an intuitive healer? <laughs> so can you kind of just give us, you know, a very basic definition of what an intuitive healer is and what it means to you? Okay. Yeah. I'll talk about what it means for me in my practice. So um, I'm a naturopathic doctor, but I also have a background in different types of osteopathic manual therapies, which is kind of working with fascial networks and the structural part of your body. So I've had a lot of training in that. And in that training comes something called somato-emotional release work. So this is kind of where some of my interests started. And that's more about how your body holds uh, what your emotional energy is doing, right? So it's mm -hmm. almost like you have a memory bank inside of your physical tissues that will store emotional energy that you've been through in the past or you're currently going through. Okay. So that's kind of some foundational stuff to understand about me. So that's a place that I'd been interfacing with people for a long time uh, to specifically answer the question about intuitive healer. What I would say to that is for myself, I've always been an intuitive person and an empathic person. Um, and in this work that I was doing and being a doctor and working with people with chronic disease and trying to understand their, their emotional environment, right? Mm. Um, I started to understand the importance of utilizing that information in the person's healing journey. So that means um, me having the capacity or the ability to discern where the core true issues lie for a person when they're coming to me for assistance or guidance, okay? And that that information, I mean, we can dive deep into that conversation about intuitive information and intuitive healing. So for me, that looks like opening up uh, intuitive faculties of knowing uh, or understanding what in a person's emotional energy state might be. Um, I'll have a sense of where in the body they're holding either physical pain, physical tension, emotional pain, emotional tension. So I can read that about a person. The other thing that I'll often have guidance about is, you know, a primary relationship where there's challenge or trauma currently for a person that's mm -hmm. physically creating problems for them or emotionally or mentally creating problems for them. So my perspective is if I can gather that information and discern what are the core issues that are triggering someone or destabilizing them, then we can create a space where they can work with it, right? Interface with it, heal it, do the shadow work, go into it, address it directly, right? And mm -hmm. my piece will probably tell you, like, I'm not afraid to go tell me about your mom, right? Like, because mm -hmm. if I feel that as a primary issue, even though they're talking to me about their, you know, digestion or whatever it is that they're coming to see me for, but I say, what's going on with your mom, right? I want to know about that relationship or your partner, right? So the intuitive piece is trying to discern the area of primary influence so that we can help support the person to heal that. Wow. That sounds awesome. I would love to go to a session like that because I'm someone who believes in that deep connection. When I feel something emotionally, I know my body's going to feel it. If I'm stressed <laughs> out for like a week's of time, I know I'm going to feel it physically the next yeah. week because I, I just understand that connection. And I'm someone who, yeah, anything that's happening emotionally, I know where it's going in my body. Um, yeah. So a session like that has always intrigued me. 
Mm -hmm. What would it look like on your side? Like, do you prepare before in a certain way before you have a client or I guess a patient? Yeah. Okay. I can tell you about that. I mean, there, there's many layers to like arriving to the place where you function in this way as a clinician, but Mm generally speaking in my set like in my sessions in my space so i've learned over time that what works best for me is to have a very specific intention for my therapeutic space and Mm -hmm. my specific intention for my therapeutic space is that this is a space of truth and transformation which means i can hold a container for people to see the truth that needs to be seen but with love and compassion and forgiveness so that we can transform and alchemize whatever it is. Because a lot of the time we're either self-abandoning or we're running away from a hard truth that we don't want to see. So that's the first layer, okay? Um, The second layer would be that, um, that we're only receiving information that is related to what that person is ready to transform, hear about, learn, or process in this now moment, right? So mm-hmm. I don't really go into a session with this, download everything I need to know. I mm-hmm. don't really, that's not how I work, right? I want to know. So if you came to see me, that would be my intention. Like, what is Gabriella ready to see, hear, process, and transform in this now moment? Like, what is her body ready to process or release? What on the mental or emotional or spiritual level is she ready to see and work with, right? Because we're not... We need to unfold and heal in in a in a process driven way, right? That that's been my experience. I generally don't tend to just blast people open, right? So mm-hmm. there, there was a period of time early in my practice when I was working with energy or doing energy work where, you know, you can you can facilitate someone moving to a place of greater balance or clearing blockages for them. You can certainly do that. And they'll get up on the table and they'll say, I feel amazing. And then 24 hours later, they'll go, I'm back in the same loop. Okay. So yeah. as I realized that it, it became apparent that it's not really therapeutically helpful for me to do things for people. So yeah. I see my role as, um, as a, a guide, a reflector, a container a catalyzer, right? So you you come and I'll, I'll help you look at things and I'll create the energy space to help you work with it and transform it. But it's your process and it needs to happen like building a house, right? So we go to those foundational pieces and we help you build from the bottom up so that you can actually hold the healing. Like you're actually walking forward as you're healing yourself. Yeah, I love that. I love that you say that you're the reflector or you're the guide because I mean, it doesn't do anything good, I guess, for someone if you're if you're holding their hand the whole way and doing everything for them, you know, yeah. because then they're not with you and they're mm-hmm. in a space where they need to utilize the tools within. Mm-hmm. They're like, but she's not here. I don't know mm-hmm. what to do, you know? And it's all about helping people grow individually. And you're just being like the holding their hand, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. And, and that's how I feel during Reiki too. And like you said, in the beginning, you feel like, you're doing something really powerful and being giving. And then after that, people might feel a little like, okay, but I'm back to square one. Yes. And I definitely feel the same way. And it's been almost like a navigating tool for me to, mm-hmm. to, to withhold almost a little bit of some things yeah. that I share and some things that I bring up, because again, people mm-hmm. are only going to receive what they're ready to receive. Mm-hmm. I can tell you Mm-hmm. anything you want but if you're not ready to hear it and ready to use that in a more 
you know, positive way and use yeah. that to grow, then I'm not, then I'm not helping anyone and you're probably going to feel attacked. <laughs> and yeah. I don't want that. Yeah. yeah. And that, and that's your, your process to work as a healer or someone who yeah. holds space is to work with your own discernment and feel for what is this person ready to receive in this moment mm -hmm. and that's specifically why that's one of my intentions that I just set across the board so I can trust that whatever information I do receive I'm only receiving it because that person is ready to work with it mm -hmm. not going to receive what they're not ready to hear right I love that takes love that so work out for you right you don't yeah. have to stress True. about it <laughs> Yeah. And then you're not sitting there trying to like move everything else out of the way. Like, let me see clearly. It's already going to be clear because you set that intention beforehand. Yes. Would you say more people go to you for physical issues, I guess you can say, or physical, you know, um, I don't want to call them issues, but physical yeah. complications or more emotional and mental? I would say now that that has changed dramatically. So I've been in practice for 18 years. So the first you know, decade of my practice, I would say it was probably primarily physical. And even the body work that I did would have been more physical, right? Because mm -hmm. I did structural work on people with physical trauma. And in that emotional trauma was being worked with, it wasn't the focus. I would say now at this stage of my practice, it's probably 80 plus percent of what I do. So wow. what, what's cool about that, like having been in this realm for a long time and like what we were speaking about before we, we started recording is when you just allow yourself um, to authentically be all of who you are as a practitioner and not because I I felt that I limited myself early on because I wasn't mm. sure people would want to receive information that way. Do they yeah. want me to be downloading guidance or saying this is what I intuitively feel? Are they going to be intimidated? Is that going to be too much? You know, I mm. had to work through my own process of being comfortable with that and when I finally was able to just authentically say, this is what I do and this is the way that I do it. And if you would like to receive that, then please come on in. Right. And mm -hmm. that just pretty much exploded my practice. And that's, um, like I said, 80 to 90% of what comes to see me now. So my naturopathic clinical care has kind of shrunk in the past three mm -hmm. years. I now, I now often refer people out to other doctors and they refer their clients to me to do this this type of work with them yeah how was that for you that transition was it like empowering did you feel like you were letting something go like how did that feel for you uh i loved it so here's what's interesting about it because i feel that you know when you function in an intuitive way it's kind of a right brain knowing guided experience when you function as a doctor or a clinician that's a very left brain knowledge decision making driven process right and i actually found that side of things more burdensome and stressful right because it's that energy of i need to make the right decision based on this information and it's it felt like it was resting solely on me right so sometimes that was quite difficult as a doctor um and felt like a lot of pressure and so as i moved more into working this way it just felt like a like an exhale almost mm. and um although i had to learn and we can go into this if you're interested but i had to learn how to have really healthy boundaries and how to be able to function all day seeing people back to back in this way there was a learning curve with that however being able to just utilize a knowing that flows and you can trust it and as you move into that place of trust it becomes like 
it's easeful is the word I would use. So you can roll into that experience and it happens with ease and trust and it doesn't actually feel like work. Mm, yeah. yeah, entirely. I pictured a wave like rolling when you said that, just like the natural yeah. continuous flow. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was really beautiful. But yeah, I'd love to touch on the boundaries because mm -hmm. I mean, that's something I for sure need to work on. And especially yeah. when it comes to to clients, I think I've gotten better at saying like, I am not in the space today to do this. And it's for the best of us to maybe, you know, just reschedule for tomorrow. But yeah. how how do you go about that, especially since you're seeing clients back to back and you are using that intuitive energy? Yes. Uh, there's a few layers to it. So th the first step, I think, is just your own personal healing, because a lot of us that either have heightened senses, senses in mm -hmm. this way or we develop them early in life, we're often really empathic people. Okay. So that in itself is a journey of healing for you, right, as an empath, because the, the core energy of that is um, not always having a clearly defined sense of self in your own energy field, right? Because you're so good at being tuned externally and you can pick up everything and mm -hmm. so more aware of that than you are of your own energy space, right? So I get that. And a lot of the healing, I would say for myself was developing, I'll use the word discernment again, because I think that's the key word, which is what is my energy? What is my emotion? What is my mental energy? And what is not, right? So understanding the boundary of me versus the client, because A, it's really important for you to not pick up their stuff, but also it's important for you to not put your, your stuff into a session, right? So um, getting really clear about what that is and just having a knowing, and some of that could be like a kinesthetic felt sense, right? So my energy feels a certain way when it's only my energy in my body, I feel a certain way. So mm. if I detect, because for me, intuitive information could come as a feeling in my body. That's not my dominant sense, but it can't happen. Um, it can come as an awareness of emotional energy. So that could be a feeling, a sadness, anger, you know, things like that. Um, it can come as knowing information in my mind, right? It could come as images that I'm seeing. So the, the parts that are more important to have boundaries and discernment would be sensations in your body and emotional mm -hmm. energy and then thoughts, obviously, right? So that you can have a clear sense of where that information is coming from and that it's not coming from you. It's coming from whether you're reading that person's field or you're receiving information from a more kind of universal energy source, right? Yeah. Um, so that's the first layer of what I would say. Um, the second thing I would say, again, kind of goes back to the, the container that you place in your room, okay? And cleaning and cleansing or whatever words you want to use and grounding yourself yeah. in, right? So I have... I have little patterns of things I do and everybody's different in that way. Like I might say certain, mm -hmm. things, I'll set certain intentions. I'll, I'll clear the energy in the room. I'm lucky. I have um, a sink right outside my office. So when I leave a session with a patient, I close the door, I go to the sink, I wash my hands. I imagine the energy dropping around my body and I'll say the session with Gabrielle is now closed. Mm, yeah. I close it. Right. And then the person leaves and I can reset the room and I see the next person. Right. So and, and, and I think those are just representations of energy, right? So whatever it is you want to do to help you clear or set or ground or cleanse, you find what works for you. But it's more about the intentionality that you're using inside of yourself 
to say, this is what's happening with the energy in my space. Yeah. I love that. I love the physical like washing of the hands. Cause again, when I do Reiki, I'm like, like at first, like after the session, I'm not going to be in the room with someone washing my hands, but you always like brush it off. You send yeah. it in the, the space, you say, you mm -hmm. say whatever, you know, you feel yeah. is right to say in that moment, you mm -hmm. put that little, little energy bubble, you create that mm -hmm. separation. And you're like, okay, <laughs> I am now like more me and you are you. And we have that space between us instead of that, like morphing sensation that mm -hmm. can so easily happen, especially when you are highly sensitive. Mm -hmm. um, and that that's actually, you keep saying discernment, which is funny because my friend did like the Oracle cards with me mm -hmm. the other day. Mm -hmm. And that word came up because I do have another job and I was for sure allowing like healing gap to enter the space of like uh, service. Yeah. And there was this like overlap and I felt like I was getting like zapped. Like I would leave that space mm -hmm. and I would feel zapped of my energy okay. to just, like, create that separation. Yes. Like create that, like I am not healer gap going into the space right now. I'm here to make my money and I'm here to leave. And that's <laughs> it. And I was like that very simple concept hearing yeah. it like, duh like yeah. i don't have to be this like same type of person i could put on the i could put on like the the energy blanket and walk into that space and be still be yeah. very like nice of myself but yeah. not give off that thing because i i work at a restaurant and oh, so oh yeah people, yeah and oh, all the people would be like your energy like i love it what do you do and and it was like attracting yeah. like just everyone yeah. you know sinking yeah. in and then she said that, which you keep saying discernment. I'm just like, yeah, yep, she's, she's hitting it right on the head. Yeah. And I took that into my job the past few days. So I'm like, I feel so light. I feel so much better because I'm just not, I'm still giving in the service way, but I'm not giving in the like emotional way and being that version of me in a space full of so many people, you know, cause you're getting so many tables come in, meeting mm -hmm. so many different types of people. Eventually you leave and you're like, oh, how did I for me? Yeah. <laughs> Where did I go? It's gone. Yeah. But and wondering what you're what you're absorbing, right? Because yeah. if you're an empath, you're gonna be reading and tuning in. And I, I would say um one other piece I would add to that is just that that layer of a, you don't need to be all the way open in all circumstances and in all environments, right? So mm -hmm. I would say that, that would be another piece of what I might do in my room, which is, you know, have a certain level of openness and functioning. But if there's a client sitting in front of me, there's like a full throttle open, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Where you're, you're really open and you're reading everything, but you don't walk around in the world that way, right? Yeah. That would just be um, a lot for you. It'd be A, too much information. And you also pick up a bunch of stuff that's not really yours and you don't need to be carrying it. It doesn't serve you, right? Mm -hmm. um, the third thing I would say is that, you know, having that awareness that as an empathic or highly sensitive person, you're probably already hyper attuned to your environment. You don't even need to think about it. You're already doing it. <laughs> yep. So sometimes you might have to consciously dial it down, right? Like I would even say things to myself sometimes in environments like that. Um, I'm not curious, right? I'm not curious about what's going on with that person or with me. I'm in my body. Here I am. I'd literally talk to myself. I'm Juliet. I'm walking down the street and I'm doing my thing. I'm not curious about what's happening over there with that person. Like won't even look, won't make eye contact. It seems extreme, but 
if you're an energetically sensitive person, as soon as you even look or get curious, boom, there your energy goes, boom. right? Yes. So you've linked in and it's coming in. So that's also just like housekeeping for you. Like how do I caretake myself energetically mm -hmm. as I move through the world as a sensitive being? And it's just something we have to learn how to do. Thank you for that. That you hit it, you hit it right on the head. I will bounce around and I'm like, oh, I wonder how they feel in this situation. Or I'll pick up something random that I saw out of the corner of my corner of my eye. And I'm like, thinking about their emotions and I'm feeling it. And I see their face. I'm like, oh no, they're upset. And I'm just I, I do think I need to like close it yeah. in a little bit because I do walk around. You're you're totally right. Walk mm -hmm. around like open and free and I'm just taking it all in and I'm giving it all out but I need to be a little more huh, tunnel vision maybe a little more grounded yeah. you you nailed it honestly so thank you yeah. perfect piece of information that I needed awesome um, something that I wanted to ask is I know you do somatic therapy so can mm -hmm. you give us an example of what that would be and and how you determine what type of therapy you're doing with someone Oh, okay. Yeah, that's an interesting question. So I have a lot of different, I guess I would say techniques, I guess you could use that word of, of the way I might interface with someone. So if, if I'm doing a session and I kind of pick up what's going on and uh, I notice a holding in a particular part of the body, I use my voice a lot. And that's just something for me in particular. It's a, it's an actually an energetic tool for me. So mm -hmm. Um, I'm speaking during sessions, and if I'll go and I'll place my hands on a certain part of the person's body, um, I might ask them to breathe into that area. I might um, touch certain parts of their body and then do something like I mentioned before. What's going on with your mom? right? I might I might ask a very open-ended question to guide a person into um, a holding um, in a particular part of their body. If they, are able to connect with their body, then I might lead them through some guided imagery of walking through their body to a particular spot, engaging in dialogue. You know, it might be a question like, if this part of your body could be holding any particular emotion, what do you feel that emotion might be, right? Mm -hmm. And so we can dialogue through, and, and it's patient-led, right? So I will just add, ask open-ended questions or um, encourage them to go into that part of the body and maybe um, provide some guidance or uh, helpful ways to unpack it either with breath work. I do different types of tapping techniques or I'll do actual physical body work. Sometimes I'll work with energy lines and, and energy centers in the body and just as ways to help facilitate the movement of the energy. But the somatic inquiry is really about you're holding something in your physical body it's probably an emotional energy and or a memory of something that happened previously. Often it's a traumatic based memory. And so what needs to happen, and this is kind of the core of what I do, because a lot of people that come to see me have figured out intellectually what happened to them and they understand their trauma or their emotional holding, but their body has not released the trauma yet or it hasn't even released the emotional energy of what they went through or felt in that moment. So mm. the dramatic work is helping that person walk back via the physical body to the trauma holding or the emotional holding that's in the tissues of their physical self, right? Um, and to hold the space for them to go back and feel it, right? Because emotion is just energy that needs to move. That's all. It's just energy that needs to move. And if you can feel it, 
Um, it doesn't matter how long ago it happened, right? Sometimes the physical body never had the opportunity to feel that emotion all the way to completion and release it. Um, mm. So a lot of what will happen is that, right? So if we can get to the core of what's being held there and get the person out of their head and mind energy and back into their physical body, uh, we can help them release it. And a, a lot of it, uh, in my experience with my patient base, um, is manifesting in disease processes or especially nervous system issues and mm. stress, adrenal network, pro digestive problems, neurological issues. You know, there, and a lot of times when we get back to the core of it, it's, it's pain, right? Or it's anger or it's deep grief or it's mm -hmm. rage. And the person has just shut that down and they processed it in therapy. Right. Most of the people that come to see me have done a lot of therapy. So it's mm -hmm. not, like, not like they're ignorant to what's going on. They can't break through. Right? They can't get past it. And it's because the body hasn't had the opportunity to experience and release. So that's how I would describe somatic therapy. Yeah, I could. I'm sure so many people relate to that. Like they understand it in their mind, but there's always that energetic block that's not allowing them to go to that next step. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's when that type of healing goes through because I've definitely felt that on certain things. I'm like, okay, I understand what's happening. I understand what I need to do to kind of mm -hmm. fix what happened. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't matter how hard I try because if I'm not like switching up the frequency of the energy that I'm on, then I'm not, I'm not going to change actually. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. I'm going to remain in this space, maybe with a little more knowledge of what happened, but I'm not moving on fully and embracing and breaking through. Correct. So there is definitely that difference. Um, what do you think, or I guess maybe, what, how do you know that there's unprocessed trauma in someone's body? How can someone know that they're dealing with that? Okay, okay. So how could a, a person know that that might be going on for them? Okay. Yes. Um, this, some of this I might be able to discern, but one of the biggest things that I see um, is dissociation okay so that means a person is the way i describe it is they're mentally often just mentally dissociating from either their emotions and or their physical body okay so that person often has a lot of anxiety okay they don't feel safe and so their their nervous system will will function in hyperdrive to try to create a sensation of safety because they're on high alert they can often feel very confused conflicted i can't I don't know what I want. Um, but the most common one I see is um, a sense that A, you don't belong, and B, you don't actually even want to be here. Okay, so the mm -hmm. biggest way I see dissociation manifest, and I see it a lot, and I can pick it up pretty quickly because it presents energetically as well. But that person, when I ask them, they'll almost inevitably start crying because I'll feel it, and then I'll say, do, do you even want to be here in this life, right? Like, do you even want to be in this body or mm -hmm. do you not even want to be here? And that's kind of a classic sign of dissociation. And, and usually there's there's been some trauma that preceded that. OK, um, those are some basics of dissociation. The other I would say is um, there's two sides to this coin. But like um, the, the, the people pleaser, uh, hyper kind, you know, uh, super nice, always friendly and easygoing and adaptable and amenable. I worry the most about about that personality mm -hmm. because there's there's a lot of potential there for self-abandonment and self-rejection right because you've become something 
that you think everybody will love and accept because you were rejected early in life or there was a fear instilled that you couldn't be your authentic self. And yeah. so you have to be what was nice and that everybody would like because the pain of that is so intense. The flip side of that is the person that's um, hyper-independent, hyper-functioning, takes everything on, the workhorse, doesn't ask for help, never says no, always the fixer and the saver, right? Um, so I see that one as well. So anytime I see that patterning, I always want to know um, when was that person, what, when did no one show up for them, right? Mm, yeah. Deeply let down. And it's often at an early age when they realize that they came into this life um, and their parents can't even keep them safe. Can you? Yeah. And uh, the core theme I would say that I see and work with, with most clients is that they don't feel safe. Mm -hmm. on, on every possible level, whether that's physically, emotionally, mentally, or spiritually. Yeah. Um, so if that's something that you notice that you don't trust easily, it's hard for you to feel safe in relationships, you don't trust yourself to make decisions, right? You're constantly asking everybody else's opinion and, and you have a high level of self-doubt. Like those are places I would go in and really self-reflect. And I think it's important to kind of, because we've used the word trauma and you know, like Gabor Mate says, there's big T trauma and little T trauma. Okay. Mm -hmm. Important to differentiate that, but also identify that, that the experience of trauma lives in the person who experienced it. So you can't look at it from the outside and go, well, that wasn't that big of a deal because mm -hmm. not really about the event that happened. It's about what, what took place inside of that person emotionally and yeah. what, what was lost in them or what they didn't receive. Um, and I've seen, you know, apparently really small incidents on the surface looking from the outside actually be deeply traumatizing for people. And, and it can show up in all of your relationships, in, mm -hmm. in all of your decisions in your life, right? So just taking a moment to kind of self-reflect and, and be honest with yourself about the areas where you struggle, right? Yeah. You don't feel safe or you don't trust or you don't show up for yourself um, or you prioritize the needs of other people over your own. That's what I would look for. Yeah. Wow. I felt all of that. <laughs> Most of us do. <laughs> yeah. There was a question that I'm not, I'm not particularly sure how to even format it, but it came up like, is there a certain type of person that besides being like, you know, sensitive that feels something small or experiences something small and feels it very largely within because I think of certain situations that I, I know I'm already sensitive, um, but there's certain situations that happen that seem really small, but to me, it will be ingrained in my mind for a very long time and I will think about it and it will like sit there. So mm -hmm. is that like, what, what kind of is that? Cause I know some people would experience things that I haven't brushed off and it wouldn't seem like a big deal. So I'm not really sure how to even ask that question. But. Yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying. And I, there's two things I would say to that. So a, there are people who are more sensitive, like quote unquote mm -hmm. sensitive. And, and there's different ways we can define sensitive that can be uh, sensory information sensitive, right? So more sensitive mm -hmm. to sound, more sensitive to light, more sensitive to a tone of voice, um, emotional energy. Like if, if you are already an empathic person, you're going to receive and experience the energy of someone being angry at you way more intensely than someone that doesn't function that way on a nervous system, brain processing, sensory level. So that is a given. Okay. So mm -hmm. one person that doesn't have that sensitivity might go, 
might not feel it in their body in the same way when someone gets angry and yells. The person next to them, it might feel like a massive violation or assault. Okay. That's the first thing I would say. The second thing I would say is when some point, something hits you really deeply and it sticks around, that is an invitation to go deep because there's probably something else going on there that happened earlier. And to mm -hmm. ask, when was the first time I ever felt this way? Right? Can mm -hmm. I remember? Uh, there may be multiple incidences because usually that's a sign that there's a core either fear insecurity or past wound or trauma that you either haven't seen fully or it you haven't had the opportunity to heal it yet and if something is really niggling there and painful and you can't, just can't let it go I would encourage you to actually dive right into it uh, with support of someone else if you need that but to really try to be on be honest about unpacking do is it does it really bother me because on some core level a part of me is is terrified that it's actually true right mm. does some part of me believe them so i would describe it like there's a couple ways i've described it so if your energy field let, let we'll first describe it energetically and then i'll use a physical analogy but if your energy field at an early age was cracked by a deep trauma like abandonment trauma or um, a rejection trauma, betrayal trauma. Imagine that that makes a crack or a hole in your energy field, okay? Mm -hmm. If someone shoots an arrow at you that exactly matches the frequency of that crack or that type of trauma, it's gonna go right through that hole and it's gonna hit you where you're most vulnerable because that spot never got healed over. And th the level of vulnerability and weakness that you're going to have to it is much higher. If someone shot an arrow just two inches over in your self-confidence, it will bounce right off and you go, nope, I believe in myself. I know I'm capable of this. Mm -hmm. It doesn't even phase me. But if it goes to some other piece that's pretty deep in there that you haven't healed yet, it might paralyze you, right? Mm -hmm. That's the first thing I would say. The second physical analogy would be like Velcro, you know? So if you have an old trauma or an old wound, it might be sitting there on your field like Velcro. So if somebody throws something at you that matches, it, it's going to stick, right? Mm, yeah. Go, Why does that feel so uncomfortable? Oh, right. But they say yeah. something else and you go, eh, right. Yeah. yeah. That was a beautiful example. It, mm. it reminds me, I just watched a video on it and it's this guy um, on stage and he says, how do you feel if I said, I don't like you and I don't like your blue hair. And the um, person said, I don't have blue hair. And he's like, exactly. Uh, yes. And it's the same way if you like understand you're you're enough. And someone says you're not enough, and you're like, but I am enough. Like I know I'm enough. And yeah. that kind of reminded me of that same concept when you're so confident in it and you know deep inside yes. that what they're saying doesn't match up, yeah. then you're gonna be able to take it. But if if there's a little wound there, even a little bit, and it slips its way through the floodgates might open and you might be feeling yeah. that same attacked feeling that you felt years and years ago yes exactly. yeah and i really i really like the question that you said to ask yourself of when's the first time that i felt this yeah emotion because mm -hmm. then at least for me when i've done similar things i've never really asked that specific question but when i've thought deeper i'm like okay this should not be throwing me into a spiral right now like where yeah. where's 
actually coming from? Where is it rooted? Mm -hmm. I find the same emotions coming up as like in the past that yes. I do now. And I'm like, oh, I'm just, I'm just being a child right now and yeah. not in a degrading way, but I'm just, I just yeah. need what that person needed years yeah. ago. Yeah. So I'm going to give, give that younger self that I'm experiencing now because that younger self is still within me. I'm just yeah. going to turn that attention inward and be like, oh, what did I need the first time this happened? I just needed a hug. That's mm -hmm. it. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give a hug. And I'm going to let myself cry and I'm going to let myself feel it because mm -hmm. I'm allowed to feel valid. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that's a great, a great way that you explained it and a great question. I'm definitely going to be taking that question with me next time. I'm a little like, Ooh, that stung. And I want to know the core of this. Yeah, totally. Um, and then one of the things that I read on your blog was about mm -hmm. Crohn's disease. Mm -hmm. um, so I just kind of want to hear your experience with it because you're someone who practices, mm -hmm. you know, kind of what you preach. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And I know that you said that you healed it. Yeah. Correct. Is that correct? Yeah. So mm -hmm. I would just love to hear that story from your perspective. It felt very moving when I read it, very mm -hmm. inspiring and very much like, see like there are ways that we can heal and there there is more out there than what we're being seen from yes you know the, the bigger people um Correct. so if you could just talk about that i would i would love to hear it yeah i'll, I'll try to make kind of a brief summary of that so uh, i had crohn's disease for about 17 18 years of my life uh, wow. it, it came on around the age of 18 um and then i kind of had a full discharge from gastroenterology and healed it in 2018. Um, I, I had different phases that it flared up in my life and some pretty severe flares at different times. I was misdiagnosed for about 16 of those years. Wow. So no one really knew what was going on. Um, so part of the journey for me was, um, A, I didn't have a diagnosis. So that's also hard because you're just sick and nobody can explain what's going on. Yeah. Um, but, you know, in later years, I was able to kind of, I basically figured it out on my own. So when I eventually got a diagnosis, it's because I went to the hospital and I said, I have IBD. So <laughs> this is what's happening. So this is what's happening. Yeah. This is what I need um, because I was a doctor at that point. Um, but what I would say as far as the healing process, you know, it was really interesting because I was a doctor and I'd been in practice for a long time and I'd been, you know, working with people with chronic disease and things like this. So you know, I had my own perception and bias around people who got autoimmune diseases. You know, I had this, all the things I'd learned about that. And so the process of really coming face to face with a diagnosis like that really forced me um, to take a hard look at myself and the way I treated myself and the way I showed up for myself or did not and how I was self-abandoning and how I was putting everybody else's needs before myself because I was kind of that classic, highly sensitive, empathic people pleaser who just wanted to be loved. And um, at the, at the, you know, cost or the consequence of my own physical health and emotional health. So the process of healing it, I mean, there's some more complex physical layers to it, but I would say and initially it did involve a lot of diet change and I had to do a lot of restrictive things just to kind of help stabilize my gut environment. I did some different herbal interventions and anti-inflammatory things to help reset um, issues that I had with what I would describe as the microbiome, right? Which is like all the physical microflora that live in your body. I did have, I did have physical issues there. 
But the primary issue I would say was actually with my nervous system. And that's what's pertinent, I think, to what we're talking about, because I generally see that with highly sensitive people, right? So if you've been an intuitive, highly sensitive person your whole life, you already have a nervous system that's um, probably working harder than other people and needs a lot more caretaking and protecting, right? Uh, and I wasn't cognizant of that, or at the very least, I didn't give it the prioritization that it needed early in my life. I would just push through, you know? Um, so a lot of my healing was rebalancing myself as an empath, learning uh, where my energy ends and someone else's begins, that other people's emotions are not my responsibility or my burden to bear, uh, and learning how to manage my own nervous system and caretake my nervous system and what's too much for me uh, and what I need to stay grounded and balanced and in my body. Um, and discerning the boundaries of self was actually really difficult for me. And it took me a lot of years to heal that. Like, that's the shadow work that we have to do. All those pieces that we were talking about are those painful spots where you're like, ouch, why does that hurt so bad? I had to do a lot of that. And I would say that was probably five or six years of intense work. And, and I had to change a lot of things in my life and do things a lot differently. And I honestly believe that that's the reason that I healed my Crohn's. It, you know, the physical interventions and, and the medications that I took, that only happened for about an 18 month period. Um, I still technically had Crohn's when I was kind of not really doing that anymore. And the four to five years that followed that was what healed it. And it's why I don't have it anymore. And it's almost, uh, it was a knowing that I had, right? So I, I got to a point in my healing process where I went, oh, I'm done doing that, right? It's just mm -hmm. this, knowing that the vibration of what that disease was showing up as in my body as a message to me to get my attention and to help me see that I was living out of congruence with who I am. Mm -hmm. um, and as soon as I got that message and I changed everything and to the degree that I was able, I mean, I think that's an ongoing process. We're always continuing to learn, but once I was able to do that, um, I didn't have Crohn's disease anymore. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of my story. I love it. I love the story. And it's, it's just so beautiful, especially knowing that you did take the medicine and go through the physical part. But there is always that other layer that you need to break through that you need to, to go go through um, mm -hmm. to really get to that energetic level of, okay, this is no longer here. And I, I keep loving how you call it all an invitation because it really is anything that happens, I believe anyway, in our mind, in our body, our emotions, anything that's coming up really is an invitation. It's just like, hi, I'm here. Like I want attention because I I just need you to to listen to me and see me. That's something I always try to talk about in my yoga classes. Like when you're in a pose and you're feeling angry, even if it's out at me, because you probably will, because I have you in the pose, like it's okay. Like yeah. just do it. Listen, it's it's telling you something. Uh -huh. Whatever it is, it's telling you something. So welcome it, welcome it in, sit with it. You're like, what's going on? Have a little mm -hmm. conversation. And then once you're like, oh, I know what I was supposed to do. I know the message that I was ready to receive. Right. And then you move on, but it's the pushing away and the I don't need to see it and getting angry at the emotions, getting angry at the disease, getting angry at things that come up. It's all just piling on yeah. and just adding more and more layers of, mm -hmm. you know, things you're going to have to break through eventually anyway. Absolutely. That was yeah. a beautiful story. So thank you for sharing. Yeah, of course. Happy to. And then um, I always ask people this question at the end. Mm -hmm. um, so if you were in the room 
in a room full of the entire world and everyone's listening and everyone's like attentive, you could take a second. What would you say if you just had a piece of wisdom? I would say, please love yourself more. Mm. Please love yourself more. Please ask for help and please figure out how to feel safe, right? Because those are the core things that I see um, in the clients and patients that I work with, right? People don't feel safe. Uh, they don't love themselves in the way that they are capable of. Uh, and they don't ask for the help and support that they need, right? Because we all need community. We need to feel loved and we need to feel safe, right? Those are our core needs. So that's what I I want for everyone. And I, you know, um, what I would say is that one of the reasons that the, the course that I'm making is called Core Safety. And I'm great. I'm glad I get the opportunity to talk about it here for a second because it's such a huge part of what I do. And it's it's so hard to see so many people not feel safe and feel loved, right? Mm -hmm. So it's what I do in my work every day is to try to just hold a space where people can feel safe and loved. And it's what I want people to be able to create for themselves in any way that they can. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's what I'd say. Oh, that's so, so beautiful. That feels like a giant hug and a, a nice reminder. If you want to talk more about your course, I don't know how much you have set up about it, but if you mm -hmm. want to give a little, I don't know, brief intro to, to what it consists of for people, if they're interested, you can yeah. go for it. Have a quick breakdown. It's not totally finalized yet and up and running, but it should be soon. Um, but it's called Core Safety. And really, it's just a breakdown of everything that I've learned around. Um, uh, we haven't talked much about energy centers and chakras in the body, but I'll, I'll mention that now. So the, the, the place where I find this being imbalanced is in what I would call the sacral center or the sacral energy center in the body, which is the lower pelvis, right below the belly button. And on an energetic level, um, I have found that to be the place where, where safety lives, right? It's safety and identity. So we talked about my Crohn's and my sacral chakra was a mess, right? So that causes your nervous system to never be able to feel safe. And I didn't have a clear definition of who I was. I couldn't define the boundaries of myself versus mm -hmm. other people, okay? And that's the foundation of autoimmune disease, self versus non-self. Okay, so core safety is about restoring integrity to those aspects of you. I feel safe. I have permission to be here. I know who I am and I know who I'm not, right? And, mm -hmm. I, and I give myself permission to say no to what is not me and to say yes to what is, right? Um, so the course is basically um, guidance around how to discern if you have trauma or issues in that part of yourself and to how to... Um, troubleshoot it and work through it and figure out what those issues are. Like if you don't have one, someone to sit with you and help you figure it out, you can work through it on your own. And then some exercises and different inquiry practices to help you begin to repair, reset, and rebuild mm -hmm. that aspect. Because I think of it as the foundation of your house. Like if you're building yourself as a being, that's the foundation of what needs to be strengthened upon which yeah. everything else can build. Okay. Yeah. Wow. You're so good. I'm so excited for your course. Um, I'm sure everyone else is going to be, and I hope that everyone takes it that feels called to it and wishing you so much luck with it. Um, where can my listeners find you? Uh, they can find me on Instagram at, at here with Juliet 
or on my website, which is www.drjuliettegodsian.com. Yay. Awesome. And check out, check out her Instagram. I was on a little loop watching all your stuff and mm-hmm. I did, I did learn so much and you have such a like, um, like warm, wise presence that I really appreciate. And mm-hmm. this whole conversation, I felt like you were talking to me, even though I know you're speaking to, you know, an audience, I still felt like it was directed towards me. So you really, towards really you. it was so nice. So I really, really appreciate it. Um, Thank yeah. you for having me. I had actually had an awesome time. I'm so, so grateful that you asked me. I totally enjoyed it. It was Yay. great. Well, thank you. Hopefully we'll keep talking and maybe do a little, I don't know, maybe I could tap into your course at some point because I know that that's something that I need to work on as well. <laughs> Sounds good. So, well, thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.